right, guys. Welcome back to the 443 Podcast. We are coming to you Christmas Eve morning, right after the Chelsea versus Wolves game. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, happy Christmas, or Merry Christmas. Reese, where are we starting out with, sir? Only one place to start, Matt, after the huge match week of games. Uh, let's kick it off with the number one team in the league against the number three team in the league, Arsenal, uh, away at Anfield against Liverpool. Game ends one-to-one. Matt, give me your reactions. Uh, it was Declan Rice and Arsenal versus Mohamed Salah and... Uh, and Liverpool it was like watching like Avengers versus X Men in the comics, where it was like they pick like two heroes to face each other, and the teams line up behind them. <laughs> so like it's... Declan was playing hero ball, and Sala was like the only one seeming to really run that attack, besides that one Trent Alexander Arnold um, shot that was really right off the bar. Yeah. Should have been put away. Yeah, let's jump into the game. So um, first half, I'd say for the first ten minutes, uh, was straight. Probably the best Arsenal form that we've seen all off season, in my opinion. Um, your usual suffocating, but with a little bit more clinicalness. I like it looked like normal Martinelli for the first ten minutes, um, and normal Saka as well for most of the game, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come set pieces, which you guys have been clinical all season. Still the best team with set pieces. You score, of course, three minutes in. What was your thoughts after that goal? Or I on was, the goal, sorry. Sorry, I was more like the first 10 minutes, the Jesus miss in under 30 seconds. Yeah. That was like, that woke me up. Yeah. Because like it had been a long morning of football. Yeah. Because I had gotten up to watch the like three quarters of Man Manchester United. United. Okay. I had watched all of Luton versus Newcastle. And I was emotionally drained from rooting for Luton. And to have like Arsenal bring me back to life, it was like they stuck the adrenaline needle in my neck. <laughs> and I wish they could have kept it up for the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that first 10 minutes was frenetic, man. It was like watching two heavyweight teams come out and just start hammering each other in the face. But it was, it was really just, in my opinion, I don't think Liverpool were awake for the first 10 minutes. I think it was just you guys were ready to play. Like the, maybe the last five of the 10, they came to life. Well, I think they had no choice because you guys yeah. did score three minutes into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did see Liverpool start to settle in. And um, I think when you saw the starting team sheet, uh, you mentioned to me before the game, or you know, even before yeah. we started filming, uh, that no McAllister, yeah, no McAllister. So, um, and he was out last week as well, uh, which we thought would be a huge loss for Liverpool. It actually, didn't turn out to be that big of a loss because I thought Curtis Jones um, and Endo played very well. Uh, Endo could have been a little bit more positionally better, in my opinion. Uh, but what were your thoughts uh, on the goal for Liverpool? Because that wasn't too soon, too. Soon after the Gabriel goal, still it was, it was 29 minutes to four minutes. It yeah. was a little bit of like almost to the yeah. So I mean, when you saw that attack happen, you kind of felt Salah against Zinchenko was a matchup that wasn't no. the best idea. What were your thoughts on that goal? It comes back to my number two point on my notes. Um, Tommy is missed today because he's one of the few defenders that can silence Mo Salah kind of consistently. He's not perfect against them. But he can he can make them quiet for quiet for a while. Yeah, and and what we were saying before we started filming was is Sinjenko just offers so much offensively for you guys that you kind of have to put him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But that's so much of a risk at the same time because you place him at left back and left. He's just not strong defensively. He's almost like a slower version of Trent Alexander Arnold, but more positionally aware. Uh, I'd say more of a center defensive mid when he's shifted in. Arnold's more of like a true attacking mid from the wing back position um and 
Sala, you think the one thing you don't want him to do is cut on to his left, and and you as, let him. As soon as I saw that, I was prepared for it to go in. <laughs> because when you see that ball, when 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 Sala has the left, when he cuts on his left foot, there's only one of two options. Like it's either going wayward wide, or if that's going buried upper ninety. And it's it's him. He reminds me of Robin from Bayern Munich, <laughs> where he just does his move, and you're just like, there's a ninety percent chance this is going in. It's so painful. Former Chelsea players just both succeeding elsewhere so it's fantastic <laughs> um, but you know what i mean man it's yeah, like no, as I soon as that, as soon as he got that ball in that position i was just like it's gonna be a draw yeah. if it isn't it's a christmas miracle Seriously. like declan like runs it and like like knocks it out with his ear or something yeah because i don't i don't remember if this was a few minutes before or maybe shortly after you guys scored but Sala missed an opportunity not similar but from a position he definitely would score from and i'm like man if if he gets another opportunity like that and i think he got two more in the mm-hmm. second half and him and alexander arnold had that one too yeah. and then the other thing that kind of freaked me out was that one where it was like raya and rice alone against four liverpool players <laughs> like i had started to like kind of z- like I was getting tired yeah. because I got up kind of early to walk the dog and get everything done. Uh, and I was just like, I was like, oh, man, here's where we lose it. And somehow <laughs> Rice, like, kung fu kicked his way out of it. I don't know how he did it. One thing I noticed in the first half and for a little bit of the second half is you guys were very reluctant to play out of the back. Uh, I saw Raya more with Labor- playing more of a long ball because of the defense line that Liverpool is so high. So you want to hit him on the counter, kind of like how Liverpool most hits te- most teams on the counter. What do you think the reason was for sort of avoiding the Liverpool press and sort of to build from the back, which you guys have been good at all season, versus more going with the long ball, uh, a counter to Martinelli or Saka? Did you notice that? I noticed it too because like, Raya didn't give me any like heart palpitations, palpitations yeah. this game they had one where he's like sort of trickling towards the line but he still cleared it with his yeah. left foot perfectly fine yeah. but he didn't seem like he was panicking on those any of the yeah. game um i remember the commentary were saying this is like the biggest game he's ever played in and i think he's tied because he did play in a championship promotion match for brentford yeah. um but i'm gonna be honest i think it was i'm not sure if arteta intended it because you could kind of tell he, but he never stops moving his hands and mm-hmm. and yelling. So I can't tell if it was part of the plan, but it seemed like it was part of the plan yeah. because he never, he only did the foot thing. I think maybe the the, the foot passing maybe three or five, three to five times during the yeah. whole game. And I noticed it more particular towards the end of the second half, yeah. where you guys were starting to play out the back a little bit. Well, that was once we changed in the substitutes. Once exactly, both teams shifted their focus to try and win the game. Mm-hmm. That's when we became the Arsenal that does the attack at that for the first half we were more of the arsenalers trying to not to win and not lose yeah and this was we have to win at the end Mm -hmm. now let's jump into the second half Uh, i'd say for the first 15 to 20 minutes uh liverpool were uh sort of having anfield behind them the atmosphere and it seemed like it kind of got to you guys a little bit but you didn't bend or you didn't fold i should say no we didn't break like we did last year exactly so it was a draw where both teams could have won and last year was a draw that we lost Mm -hmm. i think this one it was just one of those games where just it's going to end in a draw both teams had their their spurts of brilliance but they couldn't get another spurt of brilliance and and i think you said that perfectly in regards to you can tell this game was going towards a draw versus last season when you guys looked like you were We're dominating most of the game but Liverpool would have one opportunity score you guys would come back and score to make it Mm 2-1 and then they would come back and score out of nothing again. It became a basketball match um, as the guys from Marshall Vision say last year this year it looked more like 
that solid goal mm-hmm. was what separated this from Arsenal versus Man City, where they smothered him. And it was just that solid moment of amazingness that he kind of is almost contractually obligated to get every year yeah. and, or every game. And the stats will tell you everything that this was a deserved draw for both sides. Uh, 51% possession for Liverpool, so it's basically 50-50. Both uh, three shots on goal for Liverpool, two shots on goal for Arsenal's, almost the same amount of shots on goal with both having 13 attempts. Um, and then if you go into the XG, Liverpool had 0.98, basically one, and Arsenal 0.85, basically, basically one. one. So... This was a much-deserved draw for both sides. You go into the 70th minute, and Salah provides a perfect layup for Arnold, who we've been talking about over the last weeks, who has been very clinical. Uh, Arnold hits one off the bar. Just bangs it off the bar. <laughs> As an Arsenal fan, what were you thinking in that moment? Like, oh, Before the go- before the shot happens, when you see the layup, what was were your hands in your head yet? Or? I saw the replay. We were playing, me and Paco. Yeah. He got his zoomies during that part of the game and wanted to play with this little tug-of-war rope. Yeah. So we were playing tug-of-war, and I was baby-talking my dog. And then I hear the, the crowd roar and I look back and I see Trent with his head in his hands yeah. and then the replay happens and then I'm like oh dude I knowing Trent I'm sure those are opportunities he finishes 9 out of 10 times mm-hmm. in practice I'm a little bit disappointed as a neutral not as a you know Liverpool fan or anything like that but those are those are chances Arnold should be putting away so there's uh, something I forgot to do last week. I wanted to do my comedic moment of the, the oh, week. Yeah. And I forgot when Dunk got hit in the dick by... Um, <laughs> oh, by, um, my gosh. By um, Odegaard. Yeah. So this one was Klopp getting just blown oh. over by one of his home players and trying to smile during it because he's trying to keep the, the Klopp game character where nothing bothers him. You know, I would tend <laughs> Do you to... you see when he put the other angle where he's falling? He's still fake smiling. It's hilarious. That's the thing, though, is I don't even think that's the comedic moment of the week, man. Uh-huh. There was another game, and I'm, it'll probably come back to me when the well, game comes Well, my comedic in. moment, because mm-hmm. if, you, if it's from the game, two of the games that you watched that I was only able to see pieces of... I watched a dude with legs wide open get a ball shot right into his nose. Was it from the Bournemouth game? I believe it was the Bournemouth okay. game. I didn't they didn't show that in the recap, so Yeah. All right. You heard about it though. Okay. It no, no, sad. I'm hearing about it from you now. <laughs> it, craziness. Alright, so back to Liverpool yeah. Arsenal. I just wanted to say that like the comedic moments that that was great from Klopp. <laughs> Do you think going forward, uh, for Arsenal? this draw will come back to bite them? Or do you think it was a point that actually was uh, maybe helpful in your title run? I, it's too early to figure out if it will come back to bite them. But I think that, like you, like last year, it felt like a loss. This year, it felt like that was just the way the game was going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think, if anything, it feels like a loss to Liverpool because Liverpool had more clinical chances in the final half. Um, to Arsenal, I think maybe it's a snatch and grab. I just, it's, because like City got is building up their games in hand for their triumphant comeback when they play everyone and they do their 13 wins in a run in a row. Um, if Kevin De Bruyne comes back in a Kevin De Bruyne form, uh, then it will come back to bite them in the butt. It just depends on if City can lose more points during this period um, or how Liverpool does. Because I. This, this season to me right now feels like it's an open league. I don't really know who's going to win it. Mm-hmm. My inkling is it's going to be City, like the but King Jose Mourinho. That they, hurts my throat to say. They are teetering, though. So yeah. it's 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 really the title. I don't think the title has been as open as it was. Last but season, there was... They have 
if you rank all the like the top tier players, like the the SS tier, mm-hmm. they have two of the SS tier players on their team. Yeah. And one of them is going to serve the other one up goals on a platter if he comes back in B plus to A minus or even A form. Yeah. It just depends on what De Bruyne we get. They get back in March. Now, um, with the substitutions uh, for Arteta, you guys only made two substitutions with uh, Inketia and Trossard coming on. Mm-hmm. Versus Liverpool, they pretty much substituted their whole left side of the yeah. flank, <laughs> uh, which I thought was pretty funny. I mean, they pretty much had no choice with Gomez. Gomez was very lucky yesterday. I don't know if he was chilling on the bench the whole game, but my man was making mistakes out the wazoo. I don't think he thought he was going to play. He just looked like a guy who'd set in to watch the game. It like, just, it, did you same- see his face like when their the coach was talking? when he was getting ready to get subbed on yeah and like he was just like look like a deer in the headlights and and to be honest he's not used to playing a left back position and you're coming up against probably one of the most lethal right wings in the world so um to be honest we, even though he made a bunch of mistakes it did not come to hurt them uh so you know i think that was more of a mistake on arsenal's end for maybe not focusing that hard on the left flank because um yeah like i said the left side had, had a lot of substitutions they brought on harvey elliott who almost had an opportunity uh darwin 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 nunez uh, also substituted on who do you think won the tactical um who once the substitutions were made who do you think won that that sort of tugging battle like who do you think it leaned toward i think it leaned towards liverpool to okay. be honest um if you if i was like to rank the two coaches on their tactical acumen they're both getting a's but i think i would give like a 96 to arteta and a 96.9 or 97 to <laughs> to Klopp. like i just think that liverpool had more flexibility with the players they had available i know they were weakened in one position um that they went to their third person for mm-hmm. that was where gomez came on yeah, gomez. Gomez, yeah. um but generally they had most of their their a team there yeah um, other than McAllister and Robert and yeah. Robertson, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, but I think Arsenal was just limited more by um, fatigue, injuries, and unfortunately, one of the things I'm really kind of bummed about is uh, King Kai's not going to be playing on Thursday, man. Now he's a, Rick, a yellow card accumulation. Yeah, as a Chelsea fan, I know all about that. We'll get that yeah. when the Chelsea game shows up. Um, <laughs> now we talked about Arsenal going forward. You guys are going to be heading into the break with a uh, at least a lead going into Thursday, sorry, midweek. Um, and for Liverpool, now a draw in back-to-back games. At yeah. home. Exactly. That's, well, and I, I think coupling the Arsenal game with Man United, it's going to hurt Liverpool. If you just take this game in a vacuum for Liverpool, it's not going to hurt them. It's that dropping the two points to United, only yeah. getting two in, out of six in two games at home. Because you only get a limited amount of home games to use that Anfield advantage. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think they just really just shit the bed against Man United. Right. And we haven't seen peak Liverpool yet, I think. Uh, I don't think that we've seen the best Liverpool team. Maybe when Robertson and McAllister are back in the lineup, we may see that. But... I'm with you, man. Um, if they win that game against United and take points away yesterday, I feel like most Liverpool fans mm-hmm. would think that's a win. And yeah, just like with Arsenal, if you go there two away games with a couple of with the Unai Emery loss, yeah. the Villa loss, then it's not great either. Yeah. So I bet Pep is just like rubbing his hands together <laughs> behind the tree, just licking his lips. Fresh off the Club World Cup trophy mm-hmm. win. Uh, by the way, congrats to City mm-hmm. for that as well. Well, and here's the thing that they did last year too. They when they Arsenal bottled the league, the City always had a game in hand, 
and then they got to use up their game in hand against because their game in hand was against us. You, yeah. <laughs> and they were always like, oh, it's like Arsenal is again. It's like because City never played their game. Yep. They were game behind, and now they've accumulated a game in hand. And I hope it serves Luton well, but City, I kind of hope they lose their game. In hand. Right. And so, what are your what are your final thoughts for for uh, both teams going forward? Would you say are you worried about any of these two teams, or do you think they'll kind of be in the title race title race until towards the end of the season? I'm hoping it's a four horse race. I'm hoping Liverpool and Arsenal can stay in it, where the things are standing right now. Um, I mean, like I said, like like I said, all the teams in the top three drew. And City got a buy, so we'll see how things go. Um, because ultimately, I think this weekend really kind of set up City if they can come back and win. Because I don't remember who their their were, game in hand was against. They were going to play Brentford. Brentford. Which, well, it like, at, was it at Brentford? It, they would be at home. But okay. if you think about it, the replay may not happen until the new year with Tony. So mm-hmm. could yeah. be seeing a better Brentford side possibly. Yeah, that's true. Um, but final thoughts on Liverpool. I still think they. They're a good team, and I think if one team doesn't just blow, start blowing everyone away, I think they're going to be in the title race. And I think Arsenal have starting to show they learned from their mistakes of last year. They didn't let this game get out of hand. They let a moment of brilliance happen, and then they locked up shop and didn't let it happen again, even though they apparently tried a couple times to let it happen. <laughs> For my final thoughts on the game itself, um, I would say the draw is deserved. I think we both agreed on that. Mm-hmm. Um for both teams i'm not really worried for them uh like i said we haven't seen the best liverpool side and they've been starting to crack a little bit in terms of the results that they, we've been starting to see from them so uh liverpool is going to be a team i'm going to be watching uh in particular over the next few weeks performance wise regardless of results i want to see how they perform because if we don't see the liverpool team of the old uh start to creep back into the lineup when robertson or McAllister come back then i may be a little bit worried for them in terms of a title race not a top four race so well, and they got Burnley next, yeah. so hopefully a chance for them to get three points if you want them to succeed. Right. So <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and jump into the match week itself. Uh, jumping back all the way to Thursday, uh, December 21st, we have a Crystal Palace at-home draw to the Brighton Seagulls 1-1. to Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? Up the Super Eagles, baby. Up Kayla. Um, I was one of these games like you and me watched during work, yeah. um, and unfortunately, I was at work, <laughs> and I had this game on on my phone with no sound because I forgot my headphones. Um, so I'm uh, doing warranty, or sorry, processing. And when IU scored that goal at the very end of the first half, I did a U where I jumped up and was like, yes. And then I had to explain to uh, everyone except for our friend Rafa why I did that because <laughs> people like it was dead silent and I work at a call center because it was so slow because it was the last day before we went on holiday oh my gosh yeah so for me <laughs> for me I actually rewatched this game um, I don't know if it was yesterday night or Friday night one of the two you know in the last two days and what I noticed was Brighton had a lot of good chances but they kind of Chelsea did a little bit where they just couldn't put their chances away and they couldn't make use of the chances they got um for iu i thought that goal was perfect right at halftime for hodgson because this surprised me too because i thought it, the second half i thought it was all brighton and periods in the first half i thought it was all Brighton. i thought the xg was going to be like brighton 0.98 to 2.1 well, 1.65 for Palace to 1.34 for Brighton. Right. So uh, maybe I was missing parts because I was having to do work. 
Well, it wasn't even that. Pat- Brighton had great patterns of play, but when they got to that final man, it did not gel to the point where they could get clear-cut opportunities. So I think that's why the XG wasn't fully accumulated towards Brighton. Gotcha. It um, just seemed like they were in charge for like probably 65 to 70% of the game. Right. And that's what I was going to say is I think Brighton may have deserved a win uh, because of how they played, especially in the first half. Mm-hmm. I thought that was one of their best performances, honestly. Uh, but they did really good at Sellers Park. Yeah, and typically you don't have that type of performance at a tough place to play like Palace. So um, I'd say although they got a draw, I'm sure they'll take the point away at uh, Palace, which mm-hmm. is a tough pace, place to play. Well, plus I, this is one of their... their palace's biggest rivals yeah because palace is in a weird place in the city where they're not really they're so far south compared to a lot of the other teams it's not like they're when you think of like rivalries in london they really don't have one but this is a rivalry where they proper hate each other i ran into a um a brighton fan when i was the last time i was in the uk who like he goes who are your teams and i go arsenal and then i like palace a little bit he goes palace you know he just starts going off and how they're trash and you know and all this stuff and and i was like oh Okay, I didn't know it was this heated. I knew it was a thing, but... (laughs) But in my opinion, uh, like like I said, if there was a draw for Brighton, I would be a little bit disappointed if I'm deserving. They should have walked away with three points. From what I was seeing, and to get it from Danny Welbeck at 82, like, it was a late gasp winner. I remember I was... I did not like the starting lineup Brighton had. Having to bring on Welbeck late, it saved them but he low-key should have been starting from jump. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jumping into the Friday slate here, guys. uh, Aston Villa, again, walking away with a point at home to Sheffield. Matt, I know you watched this game a little bit more than I did. Now, I don't, regardless of the performance that Villa may have had where they they, they technically deserve three points, we are starting to see cracks uh, in this Villa side. What were your thoughts on the game? It was an okay evening. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> was it a good, a great? It wasn't a bad evening. It was just okay. Um, the XG was showing that Villa was 1.22 to Sheffield United's uh, 0.65. But from because I remember I watched the second half of this game. And when it started to get heated, um, I don't really – because I was going – guys, I was at Ikea for the first part of this game. Picking up furniture. I was driving back and I was, and that's why I missed the first half because I needed to go to Ikea. Okay. Hey, you got to get furniture, man. I'm like, hey, I'm, um, I'm a Zlatan guy. Smart people buy Ikea. Rich people buy fancy furniture. Matt, Matt is relatively new to his home still. So he's still, he's still, you know. Getting settled in. Exactly. But, um, it, it kind of seemed to me like it turned into a boxing match in the final 30 minutes where, um, like you were seeing like the Creed movies where they're just slugging each yeah, other yeah. and you're just like, this isn't real boxing, but it kind of seemed like that because Sheffield he, had low XG, but they just didn't give up. They didn't quit. And the disallow, but the one, th- oh, the other thing was right when I came in, they had a disallow goal that was soul crushing for the Villa ground right. um, that was chalked off by VAR. And I thought that that was going to like get them the good evening and it didn't do it. For Sheffield's goal, uh, I thought the final ball to Cameron Archer was insane. The through ball was crazy from Hamer. Mm-hmm. I did not... The Wilder of Blades. Let me tell you guys something about Wilder of Blades. Like, they had Paul Higginbottom. I'm not going to question his last name. I'm just going to say his last name is Higginbottom. That's I'm just going to stop there. I'm going to stop there at Higginbottom. There's no shame in the man's last name. Higginbottom. Higginbottom. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is... Wilder is a proper relegation manager, and he's also a proper blade. And you can tell by this little bit of extra passion that Sheffield are playing with, because over the last two or three weeks now, we've seen 
Blades have a little bit more something from them. So mm-hmm. uh, something to keep an eye on performance-wise because I think they'll be starting to be a little bit more tough to beat for these, these Especially next teams. weekend, six-pointer coming up. We'll discuss it later. But yeah. I'm uh, with you. And But, yeah, credit to Hamer on that final ball for Cameron Archer. It's a heartbreaker for, for Sheffield considering they played defensively uh, well and organized. Um, and then Zaniola with the header at the 97th minute who celebrated like he won the Champions League against the worst team in the Premier League. But... Again, we talk about it all season. If you are trying to be in a title race and you kind of need three points mm-hmm. there against the, the bottom of the team league, but you walk away with the point in the 97th minute, you might as well take it. And I don't like this, like, like um, the Ars blog and Arsenal Vision podcast call it the Celebration Police. <laughs> I hate it. Um, like, I, I don't like talking about it either way. Like, they got something in the dying embers of the game. Exactly. And... Like, people are always, like, last year, they were like, Arsenal celebrate too much. And I'm just like, but, like, that's the joy of the game. You love it when you Ronaldo does the spin with the hands and... um, The Sue. Yeah, the Sue. And then um, Bellingham does the 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 Christ Redeemer thing. Yeah. Like, that, you, you want that moment. Like, I don't get why people, like get upset about the celebration please exactly and i love the celebrations that you know i love watching our tether clock just like 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 when arsenal did a game last year and a kid got on the field arsenal like high-fived a kid who jumped on the pitch and then he was just like he his like logical mind would be like why is this child here like find somebody steward find this child's parents where did it come from <laughs> I'm with you, man. That's um, that's what I love. Of one of the things I love about the game is just the joy. And Zaniolo, like he made me like get like into it. Even though I wanted the Blades to win this game, when he did it, I couldn't help but be happy for the man. And if you think about it, come end of the season, and if they finish one point ahead of Spurs for top mm-hmm. four, yeah. you'll look back at this game and yeah. say Zaniolo's yeah. maybe been one of yeah. got us top four. So yeah, maybe he. Uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe this will help St. Totteringham's Day come faster for exactly. me. It's one of my favorite holidays. Uh, let's go Spurs in. fans. I'm trying to be neutral, but it is one of my favorite days because it. it hasn't come in a while. <laughs> Jumping into the Saturday slate here, guys. Uh, we both had 2-1 predictions last week for West Ham against Manchester United. Game ends 2-0 to West Ham. We both had braces for Kudus and Bowen. You had Bowen, I had Kudus. Both mm-hmm. actually got on the score yeah. sheet, so we weren't totally off. No. What were your thoughts on the game, Matt? <laughs> um, it's one of those games where I put it on. So, guys, I my dog has to go outside. He won't go in the backyard. I have to take him for a walk. I have to take our third co-host for a walk. So I put these games on my phone and put in earbuds and listen to it while I walk because I can't watch it. And it was one of those games where I could just feel that Manchester United was just, from the commentary, they just didn't want to win this game. They kept talking about how Ten Hag got a bubble on his head. (laughs) And as a bald man, I feel that. Dude, I... Everyone's talking about Oshiman, right? And wanting Oshiman. Me, as a Chelsea fan, Paqueta should be the prize for most teams that are in the top tier of, uh, of football right now. Um, I don't know why he's not like... Was, like. Didn't City almost get him? I was going to say, there's a reason City almost paid $90 million, $100 million for him, but he was just outside of their budget or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. Whatever happened you know, there. but Or is as, as a gambling thing, actually. Sorry. But anyways... He's one of the best players, in my opinion, in the in in attacking mid role that you mm-hmm. can find in, in world football right now. And he played two magical balls, one to Bowen for that first goal, which kind of deflected off of Bo- off the goalie into Bowen. But the ball from Paqueta to Bowen, 
pristine. You need some sort of Brazilian zazz, and, and he definitely has that. I always forget this. Um, Bowen's a winger, right? He is. Because he's always over the pitch. I can't figure out where he starts sometimes. Way, I, don't wa- I, I don't watch West Ham as religiously as some. The way Moyes has his team set up, mm-hmm. basically Bowen plays as he's more like of the a, extra man. Who he, he's like a right center forward in a sense, okay. but he's listed as a winger. So. Okay. Because yeah, like he's a guy that I hope that Arsenal was linked to at one point a few years ago, and I would love to bring him in as like yeah. that secret sauce next year just he, to throw him on. Him and, him and Trossard would be great options mm-hmm. for you guys off the bench for both flanks, but in, into the game itself... Uh, with Manchester United, uh, just similar similar team that we've seen over the last few weeks. Um, I we... watched a team with no hope yesterday morning. Well, I mean, I don't know. I was rooting for the Hammers, and I wasn't disappointed. Man, um, what was it? Uh, so there was a uh, something happened for the final goal for the kudos goal where yeah, it went the ball the ball went the to ball Manu. broke away, and he did that thing like in. Sp- Based movies like Star Wars and stuff where they slam on the brakes and the two guys go in front of each other yeah. and then they crisscrossed and Kudos moved back and it completely flustered Onana who didn't know what to do because his defenders basically like zigzagged, yeah. zigzagged or did an X formation and he just bucked it and just went right into it and it was like one of those like it reminded me of an old school 90s Premier League goal yeah. where you'd see like Paul Scholes or somebody just like just knock people down mentally just like break their ankles like watching Steph Curry just <laughs> for that, that was a bad mistake from Maynou because the ball went under his cleat which led to Paqueta, Paqueta playing the ball to Kudus yeah. um, and Maynou is a very high profile at least per Man United fans young young player with a lot of with the high ceiling of being an, an outstanding center defensive mid um, the issue is is he made a crucial mistake in a very crucial moment mm-hmm. and um, and Kudus just just iced him, man. In the form that Kudus has been on, you cannot give him those opportunities. I well, did I did want to give a quick shout-out. Mm-hmm. Uh, United started a center back called Kambwala today. His last name is Kambwala. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard of him before. I think he's obviously a young prospect as well. But um, I guess he played a decent game until he was subbed off for Regulon. And that's where we <laughs> kind of started to see this very small defensive lineup from United who tried to play for a win or tried to bring themselves back into the game so but um that bowen goal was like so i watched this game and then i rewatched the highlights because i was kind of in a stupor in the morning because i was just more enjoying watching united get beat and what was funny was like all the highlights were in united's box (laughs) wherever onana was that's where all the action was there was no highlights in the in the west ham half there was no highlights of a an Anthony doing some crazy stuff with his legs that everyone seems to love that doesn't result in anything. Garnacho had two opportunities where he should have, he had one that he should have put away on a breakaway, um, but he flopped his lines and, and he had a second opportunity as well. So just a lack of confidence from this United attack. Uh, I'll be interested to see. Uh, we got, uh, I got an ESPN notification that Sir Jim Ratcliffe has officially mm-hmm. certified as 25% stake in the club. So we'll that's, see. Yeah, the, that's what NBC Sports said too after the Chelsea game. So we'll see in, in how the January window. Because he's taking over football operations, right? Yeah, so we'll see how the how the January window goes for United uh, because they need something to, to, to motivate or inspire this group in attack. But what I'm interested in is because like we know that City, Chelsea, and Arsenal are kind of stretched on their financial fair play. They're kind of at their limits. Yep. That's why Arsenal's loaning a goalkeeper so that the depreciation on the um, players they bought drops off and then they can afford to buy Raya, Araya next year uh, in the next major window. But 
I, I don't know where United's finances are because I don't. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I can't listen to Man United podcasts. I've listened to Chelsea podcasts. I've listened to Man City podcasts. It's something about the United fans so that I just can't figure out their financial status. Their financial status is fine uh, because they well, live I mean, in like how much money they have in their budget to spend is that, what I was asking. Yeah, that, that's so. What I'm saying is, is they live and die by this 120 net spend or 180 net spend mm. per summer. So they have plenty of finances. Oh, okay. But the Glazer budgeting thing that they're doing, it's prohibiting this club from being like an investor like a Chelsea or a City have been over the last mm-hmm. 10 years. So um, hopefully with Sir Jim being in, in the... in The the, uh, the manager's seat or the... In the, in the operation yeah, side of you. it, um, we may see some investment. They need something in January for sure to inspire, to, to get something to, to, to make this team click in, a, in attack especially. They need somebody like... Um, an Enzo or an Odegaard or somebody to pull the strings and get Hoyland involved in the games because like he just doesn't get any service. I think he got one pass in the entire game. He just seems like he's sitting up front. And nobody likes him. Like I don't know if it's yeah. like he does it. Like he's not in the right click or something. But it, again, it's just the team around him. I'm sure everyone's giving up on Hoyland already, which is funny because it's so easy they, to give up on him. But but in the Champions League, he was there one bright spot in a really cruddy Champions League season. He scored some beautiful goals, and I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to get, like, you know, like, I don't think, they can't get Kevin De Bruyne or a Rodri, but they need somebody who can yeah. play that position to get him the ball. Like a Paqueta, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to see them invest in their outside backs uh, because Luke Shaw has been at the club for too long. In my opinion, he is the most average left back, and he has been the most average left back. He has his moments. He scored in the Euros, and everyone thought he was the greatest left back since fried rice. Uh, <laughs> I'd need, I'd, if they were able to go out and get an Alfonso Davies or a Theo Hernandez, they need, they need, they need a few spots maybe in each point of their of their uh of their like midfield defense and attack i think they need to invest everywhere this this january what are your before because we kind of went long on on this one what were your thoughts on the game itself if i'm a west ham fan i was enjoying my day i have a play guy who lived in my old neighborhood who has 16 west ham decals on his truck and i bet he was just throwing beer in the air and just excited as I'll get out because low-key, they hate United too. Yeah. And they're, they're in flying form right yeah. now. So credit to West Ham. Uh, United, we'll have to see over the next couple weeks in the January window uh, what they will do to get back on track. Let's jump into the Fulham at-home defeat to Burnley. 2-0 to the Burnley boys. Matt, we finally saw this company team win away mm-hmm. and they won in, in, in a great fashion with two rippers, in my opinion, two outside goals that were beauties. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Um, I love Burnley winning because we got to see disappointed Hugh Grant at Craven Cottage with his children or grandchildren, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There were children there, right? They were related to him. I don't know how. I didn't have the commentary on for this one because I literally had it on my phone because it was on at the same time as Luton. Yeah. We'll get to that. One of my like my favorite game of the weekend um but like the first female ref seemed to be all that was being talked about can i oh go ahead yeah let me just quick quick five second rant guys it shouldn't be a big deal that a woman is is refing a game because if she is in the midst of if she was brought up to ref a game hopefully that means she is better than the ones we have because Mm -hmm. the refing has been terrible doesn't matter if the gender or not it's outstanding that we finally have a woman referee but it's about talent. If she's good and she can ref a game, which I've heard she did pretty well. I watched her do NWSL games. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched one of the games she refed. I was at a pub watching it last year when I was in the league. It was between Manchester City and Arsenal. And 
She handled her own. Yep. She didn't let the game get out of hand or anything. I was watching at Arsenal Mates at a pub in North London. I basically drove, took a 20-minute train ride to go watch them beat City. But, you know, yep. 30 people in the bar or pub, sorry. It was it was a good match. I've seen her ref before in the, NW, uh, the Women's Super League, I think yep. they call it. Yep. And um, she handles her business. I mean, no ref is perfect. And I hope that she... Is and I mean this in the nicest way. I hope that she is an average referee. That she yeah. doesn't do crazy calls either yeah. one way or the other. That she blends into the woodwork and, like you're kind of saying, it doesn't really matter gender as long as she does a good job. Yeah. And no ref is perfect, but I, I hope that she doesn't yeah. do some crazy. Um, what even if Mike she, Dean's yeah. shenanigans? If even if like there was a circumstance where if there is a bad call or something like that. I just don't want the connotation to come back to, oh, she's a woman. Cause yeah, just, and I don't like that. It's I, stupid. It's stupid because, like, hey, Mike Dean did a bunch of crap, shitty calls, too. Yeah. And We've been seeing shitty calls we've all We've been seeing shitty calls all, like, but, I went to, I paid $700, basically, to go see a game where the refs couldn't draw lines. <laughs> couldn't draw lines. Like, if you criticize her because she's a woman, then I'll just constantly go back to the Brentford game where... I went to go watch Arsenal win, and Arsenal got a draw because a ref couldn't draw lines, and his friends couldn't call him on it because they were too cowardly to say, "Hey, Dave, you don't know how to draw the lines? Let me draw them for you." His name's not Dave. I just made up the name. I got you. <laughs> but back to the Fulham game. Um, honestly, uh, Burnley deserved to win it. This isn't the Fulham we saw a couple last couple of weeks where they were just like um, Alex Awobi looked sedated. Um, it just you know what I mean it just yeah. it looked like whatever um, they got pumped into their bloodstream to make them superhuman for like three or four weeks petered out and they couldn't get their second hit <laughs> Harry Wilson I thought should have scored uh, I believe it was something in the first half don't don't quote me on that but there was an opportunity where Harry Wilson definitely should have put one away that he sent wide um, for Fulham they started a striker Muniz over Carlos Vinicius who I'm starting to think their manager, I'm blanking the manager's name right now, but uh, Silva maybe. Yeah, Silva. Silva. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I I can't remember his first name, but it is Silva. Okay, cool. Awesome. He he um, I don't know if he's not just doesn't like the way uh, Vinicius Carlos plays over uh, when he manages is, is absent because in my opinion, if you have Carlos or Muniz, who I've never heard of before, who looks to be a relatively relatively young player. I don't know why you would choose him over Carlos Vinicius, who is a seasoned Premier League player. Uh, but Maybe with, they were doing load management uh, yeah, because of the, the cause we're going to have like... They had the midweek Carabao Cup yeah. and they're going to be midweek. That's fair. Yeah. Now, Fulham... Because uh, they're in a semi. And yeah. th- this is a trophy they got to win. And they're up against Middlesbrough. No, they're up against Liverpool, Liverpool right? Yeah. yeah. So the Fulham form is starting to crash down back to earth, uh, especially with the bad result against Burnley. We'll have to see how they perform over the next few weeks. Let's jump into one of Matthew's favorite games that he has been referring to. Uh, (laughs) If you guys had cameras in here. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Me and Reese split our games because both these games were on at the same time. Let me me set the stage. Set the stage. Sorry, mate. Luton Luton 1-0, defeating Newcastle United. Probably Luton's win of the season so far. Matt, go ahead and praise praise the Hatters. So we both picked... we both picked our games to watch. You picked, and I'm saying relegation because at the time they were in relegation form. You watched Bournemouth, I watched Luton, 
and because they were all at the same time, and we both got great games for very different reasons. Yeah. You watched a basketball match, and I watched Newcastle forget how to play football at um, Luton's ground, and just Luton got a goal at 25 and just held their ground. And you predicted a, a Hatters win last week because of how Luton has played against Arsenal and City, and to go it goes to show here that Luton is a tough freaking place to play. Yeah, Kenilworth Road is nothing to blank with, yeah. to quote NWA. <laughs> and especially off the bounce of, of, of um, you know, what's happened to, again, our, our thoughts are with Lockyer. That, that's the only motivation. Uh, they knew what their job was to do. They're like, we're playing this for Lockyer. And They're playing it for their captain. It was beautiful when, when Townsend scored and, and he was he grabbed the, the jersey for Lockyer and held it up. It, it's special, man. Um, the XG tells a different story to the game I was watching. The new Newcastle had 1.41 XG. They were in the box a lot, but they never seemed like they were really a threat. They had like clear. They had maybe a couple opportunities that accumulated that XG. And yeah. that's the thing, guys. If you don't watch the game and you go based off stats, it's easy to complain yeah. and say Loot or Newcastle deserved to draw. But no, we, Matt, we, Matt watched the game and he's saying that there was a, they were although had a lot of possession in the box, they didn't have those clear cut. They were doing it in the final 30 minutes where they would get in and they'd flop and they would call for penalties. They were begging because they couldn't score. Mm -hmm. They were getting in positions to score and they were just doing that thing that infuriated me about Arsenal a few years ago where they were just like showing the tugging on the jersey and they were falling down and it just didn't seem like they were in this game. It looks like they were just begging to get a point instead of trying to earn the point or three points. There was a corner set piece opportunity that was... um... They had a ball played across, a ground ball played across to uh, Bruno for him to just one hit it uh, on target. That opportunity was inside the box. He should have definitely put that away, but he places it off target. In my opinion, that was a terrible miss from Bruno, kind of like how the... um, uh, we'll get into the Chelsea game in a little bit, uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, just just special for Luton, uh, Newcastle. Are you worried about them going forward because those injuries? It looks like they're starting to catch up to them, especially after the midweek loss as well. I'm not I'm not worried for Newcastle because I think they needed they need to be in the Europa League spot this upcoming year. I um, I, they need to calibrate for Europe, like Brighton and Villa are doing. I'm with you. And they they. Because last year was such a weird year, they were able to get into that third place, and they deserved that third place. They were the third best team last year. I'm not going to lie. You can debate whether who was first or second, um, but there was no debate that Newcastle was the third best team. They deserved yeah. their Champions League spot. I just don't think they're ready for. And plus, they got a really rough group to get into. Yeah, um, they were in the group of death. The yeah, they were in the group of death. But I think that they're going to be here in the top. It's going to be a top seven now or top eight. I don't even know what it is. Like top ten, yeah, basically. Basically, <laughs> they're going to be in the hunt. They're in the top half of the table, and I think they need to get used to getting the staff in, both back room and personnel on the field, and getting used to those that European thing. Arsenal had it for many years, but they fell out of it. But they always had the Europa League to keep them calibrated to play in those two week, two games a week. I'm with you to get the rhythm. And they haven't had that rhythm in a very long time. But let's get into your game, sir. I didn't get to watch this. And I want to hear about it. So, uh, Nottingham Forest at home, 2-3 to three defeat to the Bournemouth Cherries. Um, 
dude, if if you guys missed this game, uh, at least go watch the highlights. But I don't think the highlights will do even do it justice. That's what I was thinking because I just wanted to hear you tell it because the highlights were just joined it because this game, from what I could gather, it was just slinky. You know, it was the man. Yeah, let me let me start off by saying that Bowley was incorrectly sent off off of a second yellow. Um, I, I don't understand how VAR can review everything but a second yellow card. Uh, it doesn't make sense. He clearly cleared the ball, and he clearly got his own cleat ran over. And I, I'm shocked that, that VAR, I'm disappointed in that VAR cannot review that. That definitely should be a rule placed for next season, because that's just unacceptable. Uh, because if, again, we look mm-hmm. back at the end of the season and forced for some, I'm not saying they're going to get relegated, but let's say they go down, hypothetically. Mm-hmm. This is can be a prime reason as to, hey, because it's setting up this next week where mm-hmm. if things go right for one team and not great for them mm-hmm. with their new coach, they could be stuck in the relegation zone. Yeah, and jumping into the the, the, the new coach, uh, Nuno, who gets a lot of... Um, Flack. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot, of, great, lot great. of chirping in him. Thank him, you. Which uh, I don't like. I think he's a very... He's a good manager. Very good. If like, But, but uh, he's, a good, he's a good guy to have behind the wheel of a club. He got a lot of flack uh, because of his time at Spurs, which I thought was totally uh, not warranted because, in my opinion, at that time, he didn't deserve the Spurs job. But what he did at Wolves was insane. Uh, he got them to a top seven spot at one point uh, with Wolves. The man actually is a solid manager uh, for those types of mid-table teams. Well, and he came, was he, he came to Wolves after Mourinho, right? Mourinho. I'm sorry, not to Spurs after Mourinho. My apologies. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. I... Had a brain fart. But you never want to follow Jose Mourinho out of a club. He leaves that place as a burnt, charred-out husk of broken dreams and feelings. Anyone step in... Like, he basically came in so that he could clear the palette for Conte. The only person that could succeed in Mourinho is a a manager like Conte. Yeah. (laughs) Just two dickheads, basically. Yeah, just two grade-A assholes. No, no. (laughs) Jumping into the actual game outside of the second yellow and and Nuno. But I'm I'm, I'm happy for Nottingham Forest at bringing in Nuno. Although Cooper, you could tell, was a huge loss for the club because he's done so much for that that group. So shout-out to Cooper. Yeah, he was like the guy Leeds had that stuck with them during the rough times. Exactly. Bielsa. Bielsa, thank you. Um, but yeah, so, man, fours go down to 10 men, right? And then you'd expect Bournemouth to just completely take over this game. You know, I'm expecting uh, Tavernier, uh, Solanke to get seven goals. I'm expecting this to be a blowout at that point. Uh, the game's done. Fours turn around and score the first goal of the game. And the place goes mad. And... From that game on, it was just back and forth. Uh, Solanke with a hat trick of goals. He's not Robin Hood, the stock lending. He's not. He's not the arrow from from Arrow. <laughs> he is Robin Hood. All right. He is the archer, Dominic Solanke. Three goals, all very poacher s type of goals. A clutch header to seal the win for Bournemouth. Again, guys, if 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 you guys have ninety minutes of time available, or if you want something on in the background, I would recommend to go back and watch this game. I have to build insane. IKEA furniture this week, and I think I'm going to put this game on while I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, let's jump into the next game here, and you know, at, 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 quickly at the end, I think it might have actually been a deserved draw for both sides, but because Forrest had ten men, you can't help but but feel bad for for Forrest on this end. Uh, into the uh, um, one of the last games of our Saturday review here. Tottenham at home defeating Everton two to one. 
Uh, not the Deitch homecoming. He's, he's now lost, I think, 12 points at Spurs every time he's played there. It just hasn't gone his way. Matt, what was your thoughts on the game? I forgot that he had that curse at yep. Spurs because I think I picked Everton to win this game. And I was so surprised. But then when I heard the commentary coming on, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Everyone's got their bogey team, and unfortunately Spurs is Deitch's just like it's Guardiola's. <laughs> Uh, on the game itself, I thought Tottenham played right through Everton the full first 60 minutes of the game. Um, and then I thought um, specifically the buildup for the first goal to Richarlison from the through ball from Saar to Brennan Johnson. And um, I can't remember who played the dummy for Brennan Johnson on that through ball, but that, in my opinion, was one of the goals of the season for Spurs. I, I It was just a beautiful build-up goal. My, my top two notes were Oliver Skip, laugh out loud. I don't I think he was a player <laughs> for Spurs or Everton. I don't know. He is a, sp- a player yeah. for Spurs, yes. <laughs> um, and then next was Big Ange Ball is too much for Deitch's Everton. Nice. Like, I've criticized this their, their always-go mentality, but when games in it works, it works, and it worked here. And it was a night kind of day. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, gas myself up here. But what I did say last week is that we need a Bostikoglu masterclass, and that was a Bostikoglu tactical masterclass. Did not play well, in my opinion, the last twenty to thirty minutes. Everton had a lot of good opportunities, um, but overall, much deserved three points, in my opinion, for Spurs. Everton, it's a dust off game because you guys have been in insane form mm-hmm. over the the stretch of the season. Still out of the relegation zone, yeah. and they'd be in the. They'd be like, we'll go over in the table, yeah, just yeah. add 10 points to see where Everton would be when we yeah. get to it. But, but much deserved for yeah. spot Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, they are weathering the storm uh, of injuries and, and everything like that. So much, much credit to them. I think Potch is proving himself to be, a, or not, sorry, Potch, um, mate, Ange Postacoglu. Sorry, guys, it's early for us today. We're getting it in early on Christmas Eve because we both have things to go to this evening. I woke up at 6 a.m. for this Chelsea game. Yeah, and Reese is not a because of his lifestyle is not the morning guy, <laughs> and I am a morning guy, but I am feeling this uh, holiday week on me. Um, sorry, Podstakoglu is proving he's a good manager to me because he's making Rich Arlison look like an above average player. Exactly. <laughs> I gotcha. Who I think is an average player. I think he's a average Premier League player, and that means he's one of the best players in the world. Fair. Um, what they've been. Uh, let's jump into the last game of the match week. And what I was pissed about last week is that Chelsea Sorry, were the only game on Sunday, and Wolverhampton Wanderers two one defeating Chelsea. Not uh, ask me the question, man. How you feeling, buddy? Uh, just, just, just disappointed. Um, I'll be honest, guys. When I saw the starting lineup, I knew we would lose. Uh, because there was no Caicedo or Enzo. Uh, Enzo was out for a few weeks. Caicedo wasn't even in the lineup. Uh, Lavia, Nkunku, and Mudrik all on the bench. I had I pretty much had no hope from jump because they started Broha and Nico Jackson up top. Uh, first half, I thought, was actually one of our best performances of the season. Uh, if you guys uh, live under a rock or you don't go on YouTube or Twitter uh, after you see a Chelsea game, Everything will be about Raheem Sterling uh, having a free breakaway, which I showed Matt uh, pre before we started filming, mm-hmm. uh, that he should have squared it to one of two players that were chilling next to him, Broha or um, Cole Palmer. 
Instead, Raheem does does his usual because he's the most experienced team in, in player in the team. He thinks he can just second most experienced. Yeah, finish anything <laughs> he's given. Our most experienced offensive player on your team. Yeah, and you, you have one of the like ages of fine wine, yeah. Tiago Silva. Yeah. I gotcha. But for for Raheem. He instead he takes the most lackadaisical one-on-one shot I've ever seen in my life. Uh, if you're gonna not gonna square the ball to your two teammates that are open, you have to bury that shot, dude. But it was embarrassing what I saw. Um, I can't. I don't want people to blame Poch because if you think about it, you buffoons. Uh, we if if Raheem scores or if he does what a normal player should do and look up and pass the ball, you're looking at a one-nil going into halftime. And you are looking at a different tactical team and a totally different game, possibly. But instead, the usual Chelsea comes out of the second half tied and we fall apart. I thought our midfield and defense played relatively well up until that goal was given, where they dominated for about 15 minutes and we stood no chance from there. Um, Really quickly, I think it's fucking hilarious that, sorry, fucking hilarious (laughs) for, for the standards. Um, that Nkunku comes on, scores off of like a mid-ass like ball and almost like, like Nkunku is scoring an opportunity that Nico or Broha would have scored, should have scored over the last six months. Mm -hmm. Nkunku, six months off of injury does that in one opportunity, like off his first chance. Like, are we serious? So this leads to our conversation over text during the game. I'm a very positive person, and I was like, once he scored that goal, it was two to one. I was just like, they got seven minutes left, baby, believe. And I sent him a Ted Lasso gift, and he's just like, shut up. I was like, it's, it's over. I was like, it's over. And, <laughs> and I was like, believe, man, these six minutes or five minutes got potential. And he just didn't even respond. <laughs> I could just tell my, uh, my Midwest positivity was just rubbing him the wrong way this morning. <laughs> and guys, with Matt, like his text messages, the way they're formatted, he's like, he always gives you some sort of positivity, but you don't know if it's sarcasm. <laughs> and I know you mean If it was it. to anyone else other than you, it probably could be sarcasm. But with you, I generally am pretty um, genuine okay. in my emotions, especially during the games to you. Unless it's me about Arsenal, where I'm just like, great pass, blah, blah, blah. And it's like... Unless I'm self-deprecating sarcasm, it's usually positivity when I'm talking to people about their teams. Because even though I'm not a fan of Chelsea, I know it's important to you, and I want you to have a good morning. I appreciate that, Matt. But I didn't. Um, no, and you, know and you know what even made the morning, morning worse? Is we didn't even lose to our saint, Huangi Chan. Yeah. We lost to two freaking defenders. I basically. thought he was going to make it 3-1. He yeah. had that thing where he was just like, he just would not give, like... That's what I love about the man is he had that tenacity to keep his foot on the ball and keep trying to control it, keep trying to draw the foul, keep trying to get the penalty when they're pushing him down and he's trying to get it to the spare man to get the goal in the box. He didn't quit. So in in two things for Potch that I did question, or one thing, sorry, is we still have yet to see Matson start at left back. Uh, he keeps starting Colwell. I understand from a size perspective of the Premier League, you need to have physicality, but in terms of just playing your natural position and having uh, a little bit more threat going forward. I don't know why you're not playing Matson, who was the championship player of the season for Burnley last season. And although that may not seem like a high fee, that is a high fee for a young player like that. So it's questionable. The second thing is, is a lot of people are saying Gallagher has been our best midfielder this season, which is totally fair to say. I don't disagree. But dude, the guy is positionally, organizationally, structurally... All the synonyms for in regards to playing your position, he sucks position-wise. 
he knows what to do in terms of shooting and putting you know putting in a brexit ass tackle but in terms of playing your position or having a little bit of creativity you know instead of just Instead of just looking the other way, why don't you look back to see the guy who played you the ball and is making the run towards the box? Mm-hmm. Do a little, you know, a little chip ball. No, he doesn't yeah. have that. He's going to keep playing it around the box. We're going to do the little, yeah. the little swing around the box here. And I love, I, I've said these these guys. I think you've sent me that they show up in my Instagram feed or something yeah. where they're Chelsea guys, and they. Because I, I think I watched the videos of that terrifying Chelsea fan who like scares me to my core. Yeah. So the people who are on that podcast, they were making the case that Gallagher is better than Rice on statistics. <laughs> and I can see their argument that but if you're just basing it off statistics, they're kind of like the opposite in the fact that Rice does everything else beside the statistics great and Gallagher's to, I mean, I don't mean they're to be also a playing, He's just statistics. They're they're also in two totally different positions yeah. for for their respective teams. But they and, were saying that Arsenal got fleeced for paying as much as they did because they should have just gone and paid. They could have gotten Gallagher for sixty million. Oh my gosh. Anyways, but I don't even want to. I don't even want to address that. But in terms of of Gallagher, if you guys are questioning why we should sell Gallagher, just watch his position off the ball. Um, it is questionable, and he although like you said provides goals he's played well defensively position wise this is why chelsea are considering selling him along mm-hmm. with him being homegrown for for ffp yeah. purposes so and my, well, my question to you would be um this isn't my stoppage time question but it didn't make the cut because yeah. i um because i don't know why but i wanted to do a personal one and ask you another one it's christmas i gotcha yeah. what's the um what team do you think is going to be in for gallagher and what team do you think would be a good fit for him? Great question. Uh, I think there's two or three teams, uh, at least in the Premier League. I think West Ham would be a team that he would he would mesh yeah. with pretty well and add to their style. Uh, that's another because it's kind that's of an older fit. school ethic where they they let the natural talents of their players kind of flow within a structure more than a lot of the other teams. So there's there's so that's one team actually. I would say there's two others. Uh, just looking at the table here. One, I would say, is Spurs in occasion. In occasion. I don't think he would fit the bill for a system that Postacoglu plays. But if you're up 1-0 and you need a guy to put put a tackle in or provide a little bit of high press, Gallagher off the bench I think would be a great option for Spurs. The second, like you think a bench guy would be sixty million because I think that's what Chelsea's going to want for him forty to sixty. Forty to sixty, but if Spurs, if you're on a title yeah. charge and you're trying mm-hmm. to buy from yeah, a rival true. team, you have no choice. Yeah. You know, it's Got just it. the way it is. Who's the other team? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, you're you. good. You're good. Um, the other team I would actually say in this circumstance is Brighton. Um, I think they need an extra body in the midfield, and I think he can provide uh, valuable time on the pitch because he is a starter in, in that team, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and. Basically, him and Billy Gilmore are former Chelsea players, so it just kind of fits the bill as well. So there's another team that you didn't say that I think he would fit, but he would never go to because one, they can't afford him, um, would be Luton. I think he would be sit next to Barkley in that team and would just... I could see it. Would make make them have two of those kind of Ross, guys. Ross, uh, Gallagher, and Sambi Lakonga. I could see mm-hmm. that. You know, Lakonga being the sort of holding mm-hmm. six while the other two kind of play yeah. box to box. I and it was great it. to see. La- oh, I forgot to even say it. Lakonga. Yeah. Like, like to quote Bill Simmons, I bought a lot of Lakonga stock. Yeah. Me buying my rookie cards is me buying stock. I have six <laughs> versions of the the Sambi Lakonga rookie card, nice. and are six different copies yep. of the same card. Um, I bought them when they were dirt cheap, and 
I gotta say he played really great. You you were right this weekend on the the Luton game. He was that kind of spark they needed with their captain gone to help them um, yeah. do it. But um, we've gone for an hour just on the games this week, so uh, let's take a break and get into the predictions and stoppage time. Do you want to do the table real quick before? We yeah, jump let's into do the, break? the table. So before we quick before we jump into the break, guys, uh, bottom of the league still Sheffield at twentieth with nine points, Burnley with eleven points, so they are two points ahead of Sheffield in nineteenth. Luton with 12 points with a game in hand still. Uh, so if they get a big result, we'll see who they play next. Oh, uh, we're going to cover it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, top four as of right now. Uh, Tottenham in fourth with 36 points with a game, a game, uh, an extra game over City. So City right mm-hmm. now are outside the top four. Villa with 39 points tied with Liverpool still for second and third. And Arsenal heading into the midweek are 40 points top of the league. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break here, guys. We'll be right back with you. All right, guys. We are back after our break to get into Week 19. So these games are played Tuesday through Thursday. Um, the Tuesday slate kicks off with Forrest visiting Newcastle. Sorry, guys. I kicked the table. Uh, <laughs> Forrest and Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle not in good form. Uh, we saw a very inspired Nottingham Forest team over the weekend with 10 men. Um, at Newcastle, yeah. I mean, just based on where they yeah. are playing, I think I have to edge it for for, for Newcastle. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Newcastle. I have 1-0 Newcastle. Too. If this was for Newcastle at Forest, I would have flipped it. Yeah, I agree. It's just they have that, that St. James Park um, energy that I think will just get them that one goal they need, and hopefully they'll be able to hold on for their fans. Yep. All right. Next, we have Luton at Sheffield. So, we were talking Huge. about this. Um, Forest is... Uh, has doesn't have or New Luton has game in hand over Forest. So Forest have twelve points and um no sorry, fourteen points and Luton have twelve points with the game in hand. So yeah. So if Luton can win this game against Sheffield, um then they will jump out of the relegation zone if our prediction holds. But um what do you think is I know when I said this yesterday you were you told me not to sleep on the blades and this is why I have two predictions. But what are you two think? predictions? Well, nice. My hopeful. Yeah. My my dream. Then the logical Tuesday morning and my logical. I gotcha. Um, actually, I literally I saw reality and fantasy is what I wrote. <laughs> but um, what do you think this game's going to be, Reese? The way the blades of Wilder um, with Sheffield at home, I do see a, a scenario where Sheffield can get a result from this. Um, we have to see uh, if the. Uh, Luton Townies continue to ride that high that they have been riding over the last couple Because they're not at weeks. home on this one. They're exactly. away. And they've had a home stretch lately. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, this is a tough game to call. I think it's going to be close and physical because both of these teams are big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a... Tough, meaty lads. <laughs> uh, Sheffield on a new manager balance. I think I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw in this game. So my fantasy is a 1-0 Luton win. Fair. Reality is a 1-1 draw. I gotcha. Perfect. What's the next game for us? All right. Man? Next up, we have Fulham at Bournemouth. You, you talk about the cherries coming into their house, huh? Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, Dominic Solanke is the best player since since Vietnam. Uh, he <laughs> is right now the, <laughs> the greatest thing on earth. Uh, the Cherry Prince. Is he making Patriot Saints status for you? <laughs> He's cre- him, or, him or the Cherry Prince at roll. One yeah. of those. Two. By the end of the season, for sure. Um in this game, I'm very high on Bournemouth, and this is going to be a little bit bias included. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Bournemouth win, but I also am doing it a little bit because Fulham did not play well over the weekend, too. 
So are you and me like like getting synced up on this? Because that's my prediction, two to one to the cherries. <laughs> I think with with Jimenez being out, and mm-hmm. I didn't think William played at Fulham yeah. as well. So, and Anthony Robinson's hair is still ugly. So those are my reasons. <laughs> All right. Um, so we're heading into the final Wednesday, or sorry, Tuesday game. We have Villa at United. The final Tuesday game? Yep. Is uh, Villa visiting? Oh, no. Shoot. You're right. Sorry. Liverpool at Burnley. I skipped it. My bad. So which one we do we want to do first? Let's do Liverpool Burnley. This save is the, the best, I have. Save the best for last. Yeah. Save the, save the good evenings. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Burnley. And this is at home. Burnley 2. Um, like I said, I haven't been seeing the best Liverpool performances. And company is starting to click at the right time with this group. Um, a very young team. But again, I think Liverpool are just too clinical, man. Uh, I think this is going to be a 2-0 win to the pools. Uh, see, I'm hoping for some Christmas magic. I'm thinking 1-1. 1-1. I can see it. I can see it. Um, this, that Liverpool-Man City, or Man United game, really is starting to stand out like a sore thumb. Um, is it a harbinger of things to come, or was it just a blip? Yeah. Was it a 10 hog masterclass? I don't <laughs> know. What's the next game? Man? All right, next one I already went over. Villa at United, but um, huge, 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 huge game. Not only for for Villa in terms of a title race and how they've played has not been good, but Ten Hag. This could be that one of those nights mm-hmm. where he's at home. If he doesn't pick up a result, will questions start to be asked? Those are the things so, that we have to think about as this well. This is a game where two managers really are ta- do a lot of tactical changes, mm-hmm. and I think it ultimately who tactic outs out the, out, out tactics the other guy because villa do have a weakness yeah people and have exploited it before we're starting to see the cracks mm-hmm. in this group yeah and ten hong has been able to do that where he's been able to you know exploit when a team has a weakness he can exploit it mm-hmm. it just depends on if emery's able to know his weakness counter it and then find their weakness which is a lot and count and play to that while keeping his you know flanks protected I honestly don't know, but I just kind of did my prediction based off table and form. Who are you going to pick? I picked Villa 2-1. to one. Okay. I think both of these managers are big game managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen it from uh, Emery in, in Europa League especially. We saw him do it against Arsenal as well uh, a couple weeks ago. And Ten Hag in a big game as well is insane as well. Uh, with Liverpool, um, did not play well against West Ham. But in this being a primetime game on a Tuesday night in England, I think this is going to be a 1-1 draw. I think one either team will – I think Villa will play better, like in terms of a performance, kind of like how Liverpool played better than United did. But I think United's defensive solidity will actually – and they will somehow nick a goal somewhere where it will be a 1-1 draw. Gotcha. No, and I could see your scenario happening too. It's just one of those things where it's like – I think Emery has the better team, yep. but they're both tactically very good man- managers in their minds. Um, now we enter Wednesday, and uh, Palace at Chelsea. I like, your, feeling, I like your little, I like your little that you did there. Um, I, to be honest, um, no, we both get grumpy when our teams don't do well, no, and do. I know that you literally came over here like. 10 minutes after the game ended. <laughs> I'm actually, to be honest, I, like I said, I was expecting a loss when I saw that team from, from gotcha. this morning. So I'm not as depressed as I thought I'd be. But um, it depends on what the lineup is for Chelsea. Uh, if we see Caicedo in the lineup, if we see Nkunku in the lineup, if we see Mudrik in the lineup, if we see Matson in the lineup, there's a bunch of guys who need to be in the lineup <laughs> for Chelsea to win. 
But if it's if I see Gallagher and Ugachukwu and and Colwell at left back again, I can only see this going one way. But for now, I'm gonna hold steady. A one-one draw. That's what I have too, Palace one, <laughs> Chelsea one. Man, you and me are syncing up. What's the next game? <laughs> All right, next up we have Wolves at Brentford. Oof. Yeah, um, Wolves. Both teams that rely on their home fortresses to really, exactly. you know, nail stuff home. And Brentford had a little bit of a break uh, because they did not have any games midweek, right? Yeah, well, and over the weekend. Yeah, they've they've haven't played a game since last weekend. So they've had a little bit of a break, um, about a week and a half off. I think that's good for Thomas Frank because they have not been on good form. Um, you know, I think I think this is a turnaround game for Brentford. I don't know how long this turnaround will happen for, but I can see. And I'm going to predict a... Actually, no, because Pedro Neto came into the lineup, saw us back into the lineup. I'm still going to stick with the Brentford 1-0-1. One, no one. Sorry. I'll I got 1-1. One, one. No, I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. I think Neto is going to... Neto's going to come back and if, do some if stuff. He, if he's back and he's to normal Neto, mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. Because then we get to see that that really clicky Wolves offense we were talking about earlier in the exactly. season. Um, and next up, we go to City at Everton. Huge game. Huge, huge game. Uh, Everton is in this tough stretch of their schedule right now. Uh, Spurs over the weekend, tough defeat. City is the team that probably the best time to be playing City is right now uh, because of the form City have been in. And Everton, outside of these last two games, have been outstanding. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. even though the one that team that Pep benefited from this recent stint of games where the teams above him kind of all dropped points, but... Only Frank really benefited because they had to travel and play a away game. Yep. Um, so they didn't get rest even though they didn't play. And I think I'm picking a 2-2 draw because I think City's going to be imperious, but I think Everton's going to have the home field advantage. And they didn't have to really travel thousands of miles. They just had to travel hundreds of miles. <laughs> I think much like I said with Bostokoglu in my prediction last week, it needs to be a Bostokoglu masterclass. It's going to have to be a Pep Guardiola masterclass, which we, of course, we've seen over time. But in terms of how the game will go, I think a crucial part of it will be set pieces uh, because Everton are a massive team and they thrive off those set pieces. They're basically a relegation team in terms of set pieces. They're very good at them. Uh, But I think City... So, so, so good. Exactly. (laughs) But I think City will get back on the winning track I think they will surprise us in dominant fashion. I'm going 3-0 to Manchester Ooh. City. Yes, sir. Now we're we're back to yeah. our... Uh, yes, you've taken my big things and I've gone to your... That's got to be a draw. <laughs> All right. So after City Everton, we come into the... Thir- that ends Wednesday and we come into Thursday. There's some low-key big games. We got Spurs at Brighton. Huge. Um, Brighton, I thought, had a great performance uh, against Palace. Didn't end up getting the result they wanted. Um both of these teams are front foot. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to mm-hmm. go with a 3-2 Spurs win. I got 2-1 Spurs win. I think the Zerbi is going to run into Angeball, and Angeball is just going to edge him. Yeah, I can see that for sure. All right, and the final game um, before we record next week is going to be West Ham at Arsenal. Yes, and pending on scheduling, guys, uh, if Matt and I are available that Thursday night, we may see a, a possible episode, uh, but we'll, we'll let you guys... Well, we're going to shoot for Thursday. We may have to do Friday, but we're, we'll get yeah. it out before the weekend games start. Exactly. So, um, Just depends on what we can do. Right. Uh, Arsenal, um, they, need to, they need to get back on track in terms of getting results if they mm-hmm. want to continue being the first... Uh, if they want to head into the new year as the best team in the league. Yeah. Um, 
West Ham and Kudus especially, and Paquetta are right now on flying form. Don't forget my boy, Bowen. Bowen, too. They're, they're special right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Arsenal defensively have been insane, and I think West Ham defensively have not been so insane. So on that note, I'm going to go with an Arsenal 2-0 win. Gotcha. I have an Arsenal 2-0 win as myself as well. Gosh, dude. Can't talk. <laughs> Um, let's head into stoppage time, mate. Yes, sir. So, mate, <laughs> we have, and the only reason we're talking about this is because Chelsea are finally in the final four of a cup competition. Let's clap it up. Go Thank clap. You. Thank you. Uh, Paco so gave us a clap, too. We have Chelsea against Middlesbrough. Borough? Middlesbrough. Burrow. Thank you. And then we have Fulham against Liverpool. At this point of the Carabao Cup season... Give us your prediction on who you think is going to win it. I don't want to put you on the spot because I know your answer, but I want you to tell me. I actually want Chelsea to win it. Don't give me the want. Give me the logical. <sighs> Logically, Liverpool's going to win it, but <laughs> I would like to. Because you're always like, oh, we're going to lose the pool again. I would love you guys to be. Because the joy in your messages to me when they came, when Chelsea came back to beat Newcastle, I want that joy for you when they come back to beat Liverpool. <laughs> See, see, Matt's just a good co-host and a, and a good friend as well, guys. He just wants to see me happy, and I appreciate. I don't, that. I don't want you to win a cup. I don't want any of the teams except for Middlesbrough to win this. Of course, but if because I want you to have some joy yeah. this season because it's not been a joyful season for Chelsea fans. I want that angry man who terrifies me on the Instagram interviews to just go crack a smile, to crack a smile, and just make me feel that he's going to build a space laser and blow up the moon <laughs> or something. <laughs> Because he sounds like a do- uh, James Bond villain. The uh, results. Yes. <laughs> but I want you guys to experience some joy, man. Because that's the, the, you know, unlike um, American sports where we just tack on more regular season games. In the in football, they've tacked on other competitions for you guys, to, uh, fans, to have a chance to win a cup. And I would want Chelsea to win this. Logic, I think it's Liverpool. The hater in me, the Arsenal fan, wants Middlesbrough to win the whole damn thing, so nobody can brag. But my one is Chelsea, my logic is Poole, and my hater aid in me, my player haters club, is Middlesbrough. So merge them all together. What team is going to win? Fulham, then? Fulham. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. For me, man, um, I think it just has to be Liverpool. Uh, Chelsea... Uh, last not last season the season prior played Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final in the FA Cup final and drawed them both in 90 minutes and Liverpool ended up winning on penalties mm-hmm. uh, we have yet to beat pools pools have yet to beat us in 90 minutes since those games which is actually insane I think that's now six or seven consecutive draws they've had in 90 minutes of play which is, as a Chelsea fan, fucking annoying. <laughs> it fucking is. annoying. No, uh, I've been there, man. I, I, I'm a personal hater for Liverpool, personally, but I, I'm, of course, uh, I give a lot of credit to them because they're a good side. So, um, yeah, I mean, unless unless we see a different Chelsea team, and we'll see how the January window goes, because the final is in February, which is shortly after the January window. So, it'll be interesting. But I am going to go with Liverpool. It sounds like you have Fulham and Middlesbrough. <laughs> No, I told you. Logically, Liverpool. <laughs> I got you. My heart, my friendship for you is Chelsea. My hater net side is Middlesbrough. 
Which also means that Fulham is just probably going to win the whole thing. And you know, and you know, Carabao had to had set the final four to set up a Chelsea Liverpool win for for views. So uh, hopefully Middlesbrough and Fulham win at that point then, so they could start doing a proper raffle. But Matt, mm, go ahead. My question to you is: Kenilworth Road, Luton's home ground, becoming a cauldron? In my opinion, man, and it's not a fortress because big teams have won there, but they've Over been taxed. Yeah. They've been taxed. They've been. They've been, you know, the fans of, you know, the, the the old school ground. It's like, is it a cauldron atmosphere there? If you go back to when Chelsea beat Luton 3-0, uh, Luton have pretty much got gotten points uh, at their home ground um, in about 80% of those games. So I'm going to answer your question and say yes. Um, with the form that they've been in at home in the narrow field and who they've gotten points from to... You, or taken to the limit, taking so, yeah, uh, City and Arsenal. They, I'm gonna, I'm gonna count it and say they took mm-hmm. points from Arsenal, mm-hmm. even though you guys won the game. Mm-hmm. But Luton got moral points, in my opinion. They got they actual points from City, actual points from Villa. Those teams are what was that? Not Villa, Who Newcastle. Was, Newcastle. Thank you. Uh, those three teams are in the upper echelon of Premier League football mm-hmm. right now. Those three teams, sorry, those yeah, those three teams are in Europe. So like. And you're with an asterisk. <laughs> you're talking about a relegation team who's never been in the Premier League for taking results. Like again, if I'm a Luton fan, I'm just enjoying my time because there's these are special moments. And this is insane what we're seeing. I'm doing a trip to the UK in 20 or sorry to Ireland and the UK in 2026, and I'm trying to fit in if Luton isn't in the Premier League to fit them into my schedule. Or if they do play on a Saturday and Arsenal play just on some a, game. Just, just got to see a game. I'm going to try and fit in a trip to Kenilworth Road um, to go see them play. Uh, I just don't know how things are going to work because there's Ireland involved. My brother is coming. He wants If Wrexham that week is playing home game, he loves that show. He wants to go. I want to go see an Arsenal home game. Wrexham in 2026. What... Uh... Extra stoppage time question. Where do we think Wrexham, what league Wrexham will be in in 2026? So I think they'll be in League One. You still think? Okay. Yeah. I think they'll get promoted, and I think next this year they'll, they'll probably get promoted. Next year they'll stay. They have to recalibrate to try and move up the table to go yep. to the championship. They have to bring in players, figure out their budgeting, sponsorship. I think if they get promoted this year, two promotions in a row, I think they got to hold their stuff and start bringing in the players so they For don't sure. fall back down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Luton is definitely a cauldron, in my opinion. Uh, Matt, we have had a special episode for the I holidays. I actually have another stop oh, Okay, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I had two. I, we didn't discuss this before. So, for you, since you've never gone to see a game, I think, outside the U.S., so cancel out the U.S. and cancel out Chelsea. Because you're going to go see your team. I want to see if we can make that happen together. Even though I don't want to go to Stamford Bridge, I will go because I'm your friend and I want to enjoy you. (laughs) See you hopefully watch your team win as long as it's not against my team or the Super Eagles. Um, What team in the world of football would you want to go see their home game and why? World of football. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think... That's it's special that you mentioned World of Football because I don't think the San Siro of Milan, uh, that stadium in particular, gets enough credit of how like traditional and historic that stadium is. So for me, it would be going to see AC Milan and Captain America at San Siro. Um, I think in a proper derby against Inter would be the dream matchup because there's nothing more special than a San Siro Inter AC Milan mm-hmm. derby. So uh, that'd be my pick. Um, you know. 
in my opinion, it will be happening inevitably because, you know, me and the lady will be planning for some European trip uh, in 2025. Uh, hopefully it's England, but, you know, you never know. So, yeah, for me, it's San Siro. Well, okay. Yeah, Matt, good I, answer. I want to reverse the question to you because you've seen a, a bunch of football in Europe. It, for the games that you have not been to and the teams that you have not seen, who, who would you want to go see? I wanted to go – so I know it's – I'm going to do my st- – kind of American stock answer and then a backup to it. I would love to go see uh, Borussia Dortmund I was at the just Yellow thinking Wall. That. That's kind of the American answer. We love that kind of thing, you know. But um, if I, I can't, my friends in Argentina can't guarantee me they I won't be able to, they won't be able to get me to a Boca game. Mm. They can get me to a River Platte game because it's just such a big stadium. But I would love to go see Boca yeah. play in that fiery hell pit of a home ground they have in the middle of like one of the worst you know neighborhoods in Buenos Aires it's a weird stadium yeah I I would love to go there but like the tickets are incredibly hard to get Um, I maybe not in Argentina I'd stand out like a sore thumb as long as I don't open my mouth (laughs) Um, but that would be one of the ones I'd love to go I'd love to have my Matt Damon moment at the Bernabeu I see that's funny man I I, I agree Um, especially if like when Julian Alvarez was there Actually, no, Julian Alvarez is at River Plate. Yeah, River Plate. Uh, yeah, that. Borussia Dortmund, I feel like, although it's the American answer, I feel like it definitely is the most traditional. It's a good one to go see. Like, they're in stadiums. Insane. Mm-hmm. The ta- the the, um, the TIFO. TIFO. The yeah. yellow wall. Insa- because because they're, that's a realistic one I can go see. I can get a ticket. I can go to Borussia. I probably can get a ticket to a game as long as it's not a Bayern Munich, as long as it's not a Derby match. I can go do that. The other one, logistically... You need to know people. You don't even know my friends down there. Um, all but one of their friends' friends is a um, Boca fan. They've told me, like, they're probably, it'd be a slim, maybe a 10% chance when I get there that they could get Great. me to a game. And then, because, like, most of my friends down there are, are female, and most females don't go to those games. They watch them on TV. You see that, guys? Matt, with most female friends in Argentina. He's got female friends in England and Europe. <laughs> Just saying, guys. Matt is the Riz guy. <laughs> Matt, do I, I you try. have any further stuff? No. Talk um, but hey, I just wanted to give a special shout out. My friend uh, Jimmy came over right before we recorded and gave me a very amazing gift that as soon as I'm done reading, Reese wants to take. It's a coffee table book called World Football Club Crests. And just from opening it, it basically breaks down, I think, all the major clubs in the world. And even the origins some we, of the crest. And some, some we don't, don't know. know. On this cover, I don't know like seven of these teams. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to tackle this as my uh, my read this uh, coming January. Uh, it was nice meeting you guys as well who gave Matt the gift. Um, Matt, we have a special episode, uh, a special longer episode oh, yeah. for you guys as well. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. We will be back hopefully on Thursday or Friday. And then, of course, on our yeah. usual Sunday We'll slate. discuss that after. Of course. Uh, Matt. Happy holidays to everyone listening. Close us out, man. Live long, watch some football, lads. There's a lot of it.